Welcome to the Long-Term Investing Podcast with Baskin Wealth Management. I'm Barry Schwartz, Chief Investment Officer at Baskin Wealth Management, and I'm joined today by Ernest Wong, Head of Research. Ernest, how are you doing today? Doing well. Are you looking forward to spending time with your family over Easter? Yeah, I'm glad to see that the, the weather is finally starting to get a lot better. Me too. I read the golf courses are starting to open. It's amazing how quickly... You know, the weather changes. One day it's snowing, the next day it's golf season. And uh, of course, in Canada and Toronto, the, the golf season is, you try and get as much out of it as possible. So my goal is to play a little bit of golf, but focus more on investing and picking better investments this year for our clients. What about you? Yeah, I'm not really a golfer myself, mm -hmm. but certainly looking forward to the nice weather. Yeah, golf is hard when you have young kids, but now that my kids don't want to do anything with me, um, I'm, my wife is interested in golf. So learning to do th something together, we can have together time and uh, the kids uh, are busy with their friends in school and whatnot. So uh, Ernest, uh, the Q Q1 is now over in the first quarter, first three months of 2023. Time flies, of course. And it was an interesting quarter, uh, no question, uh, for our stock market performance. Essentially, what we've been saying is whatever worked last year in 2022 didn't work in 2023, at least in the first part of the year. And whatever really got beaten up in 2022 has started off hot as a rocket in 2023. And no, no sense beating around in the bush. What's working is the technology stocks. I, I saw today, or we were just talking the first week of April, but the big tech names, Microsoft, uh, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Google, they're all up 20% plus. Facebook, of course, is I think is up over 70% year to date. Uh, of course, people were writing them off and uh, last year, but we've talked about a lot about big tech this year. Anything else caught your eye in the first quarter about wh what was working and what was not working? I think what was interesting is that if you look at the the performance by sector, like you said, everything that worked last year, um, so things like consumer staples, uh, energy, healthcare, those were exactly what went down this year. Yeah. Um, and whether it's because of of, of fears about um, interest rates or or sec just simply sector rotation, who knows? But the reality is. You got to just stick to your guns. And if you think some about the big tech companies like Microsoft, Adobe, uh, even Google, these are fantastic asset light businesses that probably got oversold last year. Before we talk some names, quick disclaimer, of course, you and I will be talking about stocks that uh, clients at Baskin Wealth Management own, as well as uh, principals and employees of Baskin Wealth Management may own stocks, uh, investments that we talk about today. So Baskin Wealth Management clients, if you have any questions about any of the investments we talk about today, please reach out to your portfolio manager. And for those that are not clients, please do your own homework and your own due diligence on anything we talk about today. This is not investment advice. So the compliance stuff is done. Yeah, so moving on to some interesting deals, of course, in Canada. Uh, the Rogers seems to have closed its Shaw deal. That that went on for like a decade, I think. Um, Tech Resources, the big copper and coal company, got a takeover offer from Glencore. This brings me back to like, I don't know, a decade ago. Remember when BHP Billiton tried to acquire Potash and... Uh, you know, even going back further, Inco was acquired, Alcan, I'm showing my age, but Falcon Bridge was acquired, all these large Canadian uh, mining companies, resource companies, but tech kind of said, over our dead body, will we sell 
our stock. We're Canadian and uh, we won't sell at any price. So um, yeah, lots happening, I guess. Uh, but the bottom line about the performance of big technology companies in Q1 is it's really about interest rates. And we, we talked about it. If you break it down, the performance of 2022, interest rates went from zero to 5% in a heartbeat. And that really hurts stock valuations in the short term. Now it appears that interest rates have backed off. I see that uh, the bond yields are you know, at multi-month lows. Many people expect rate cuts or, uh, to start happening later this year as the economy cools. So I guess you could say the Fed, the central banks achieved what the goal they wanted to achieve. I mean, they told you they wanted to cool inflation. How do you cool inflation? You try to cool the economy. So no one should be shocked if we go into a recession or a slowdown. I mean, you're, that's what happens when you raise interest rates. So enough with the uh, history and economics lesson. We're going to talk about Costco and everybody's going to Costco and you've seen it in their tremendous results over the past few years. The same store sales are incredible. People obviously during COVID were stocking up on whatever they could get their hands on. That, that kind of that bloom is off the rose, of course, as now you can go anywhere you want and stores are open and freely available, but still uh, Costco's results are, are tremendous. I see that in the last uh, day or so, Costco reported its March results, and there's kind of a, a trend going on with the sales. People are still going there and buying food and essentials, but buying these big bulky items, I don't know, it's, does anybody buy uh, uh, furniture or um, you know, what, what have you at uh, Costco's uh, jewelry and stuff like that, it, that's kind of slowed. So Ernest, you've got a lot to say about Costco, so let's get into it. Yeah, I think the 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 weakness in the that they reported last night was really just reflective of and oh sorry, we're recording this on Thursday. So Costco reported earnings on Wednesday night. Yeah. Um April that what we're April the sixth today. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so traffic was continues to be very strong. Mm -hmm. So people are still going to Costco and 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 going on their, their grocery runs, but they're spending less on large bulky items things like patio furniture things like TVs and appliances mm -hmm. which you would expect in a like a modest economic slowdown yeah this should be no surprise to anybody right we all were stuck at home we all we could do was improve our uh, home life by uh, renovating our houses buying a new TV uh, buying a new computer buying a new dishwasher uh, we had got free money from the government. Interest rates are low, so we spent money on the big things. Now that the world is open, now that interest rates have gone up, maybe we're spending money on travel. Maybe we're not spending as much money anymore because of inflation. And so it, you, no one should be surprised that the, the sales of those big, bulky -er things are are slowing down. Yes, but but looking past the, the monthly or even quarterly fluctuations in Costco sales numbers, I think Costco is just simply one of the, the greatest businesses that I've personally ever studied in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it seems like every time I read something else about Costco, I, I just come away being even more impressed about what they've built and the, 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 the competitive advantage that they have, have built um, in their business. And every time my parents go to Costco, they tell me how busy it is. I mean, what did you get there? They can't remember. They, oh, how much money they spend? Oh, 600, 700, 800 dollars. It, oh, it's always busy. Can't believe it. Glad we own the stock. Right. 
I think the impressive thing about Costco is that everything about their business model is designed to a lower prices and b get you to spend more. And the way that Costco achieves these is is number one by using their membership program, which most of our listeners are probably are probably Costco members themselves. They pay sixty bucks for membership so they can go and shop there. Isn't and. Most of our clients probably are Costco members. I mean, Costco is doesn't cost Costco does incredibly well in Canada. It's a, seems to have really hit uh, hit home with Canadians. They they love the the deals and the bargains and the and just being able to find uh, you know what they want there. So Costco has done an incredible job. Over a hundred stores in Canada. It's it's actually tremendous how, how how much growth they've had. But anyways, going back and unlike. Unlike other other membership services like Amazon or or the new Canadian Tire membership, like the attraction of joining Costco is because they have lower prices. Mm-hmm. Whether this be for the the rotisserie chicken, whether it be you want like Kirkland nuts, or whether you want cheap gas, mm-hmm. and this philosophy is is really important because if you're a member, you you really trust that Costco has the lowest prices that you can find anywhere else, and this isn't true for for any other retailer that exists. Mm-hmm. And the most interesting thing about Costco's business model is that they only sell a limited amount of stock keeping units or, or let's say using ketchup as an example. If you go to Costco, you can only buy one or maybe two brands of ketchup. Mm-hmm. And this ketchup is only going to be available in a pack of three bottles. And the reason that Costco does this is because it's just that much cheaper to carry one brand of ketchup rather than five, and so they can lower, they can, they can they can lower prices. They can keep the prices low and on on having fewer brands and fewer shelf space and really trying to push uh, hot the higher end uh, selling products. Mm-hmm. But from the vendor's perspective, the the ketchup seller, this is wonderful because everybody who goes to Costco has to buy your brand of ketchup. Yes. And what this means is so that you're not going to try Ernest and Barry's uh, spicy sriracha ketchup at Costco because it's not, it's not going to be a, be available. There's one or two brands, and that's it. Right. And what this means is that as the ketchup brand, you don't have to go and spend marketing on your on your brand of ketchup to convince mm-hmm. you to choose your ketchup versus all the other brands that you're going to see at at Metro or Walmart. Yeah. And because you don't have to spend on marketing. You can offer lower prices when you're selling to Costco, mm-hmm. and given that you know Costco has very strong membership, you want to do all you can do to get uh, shelf space on Costco's shelves. Yes, and this is this is tremendously powerful at Costco scale because Costco has 68 million members who bought about I think two, over over 200 billion dollars worth of stuff last year. Mm-hmm. So if you are missing out on on Costco's shelf space, that's a lot of of business that you're missing out on. All right, so let's talk about the membership. So Costco has 68 million members, and Costco is famous for you can't you and I just can't walk into Costco store. We have to have a membership. We have to uh, show our membership when we walk in. We have to show our membership when we check out, and. Uh, there's two or three tiers of memberships. The normal one, there's an executive one, a business one. Um, the goal, obviously, is to try and upsell you to get an executive membership. There's, I assume there's more perks and better deals. And Is there cash back as well? Yes, you get 2% back 
again, to get you to not spend bad, more things. Not bad. Yeah, if you buy a lot, enough ketchup, you'll get uh, some free money to buy some more ketchup. So the, that membership model, of course, can allow Costco to really keep its prices low on the products that it sells to its customers. And that's how Costco, as everybody knows, makes money on the memberships only. Not too much, really, on selling groceries and other stuff. That's that's the common narrative. Yeah. They actually do make um, some margin on, on selling merchandise. Yeah, it's not a not-for-profit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They do they do make money selling things. Mm-hmm. And there's other services, of course, that Costco sells. But the beauty of the membership model, uh, now that you mention it, is that because all of these members trust that Costco has high-quality stuff at lower prices than anywhere else, Costco can distribute basically anything to its members and make it a very successful product. Mm-hmm. So... And this extends beyond selling ketchup or, or, or clothes or rice cookers. Mm-hmm. You can book a car or you can buy home insurance or you can book a cruise trip at a lower price than you can anywhere else at Costco. Are, are these popular services with their members? Yes. Costco is the, the largest travel agency in, in the U.S. Uh, yeah. They, they are one of the largest auto brokerage firms. And I think this is one of the things that is not as well appreciated about Costco is that they have a much larger addressable market than even Amazon or Walmart have. Okay. Because they can sell all of these services um, to their members. Yeah. I mean, how many people actually uh, buy other services from Amazon? Uh, Yes, uh, maybe that's the goal over time, but definitely, uh, you know, I hear people, they get their... uh, uh, hearing aids at Costco, they get their contacts at Costco, they go fill up gas at Costco, they book trips at Costco, and now that vacations are back on, um, I assume Costco is, is doing gangbuster business at, at that level. They are. And this extends to, to the e-commerce business as well, which I think for a very long time, people were wondering why Costco would continue to exist in a, in a, in a world where you can do one click on Amazon and deliver yes. it to your door. Yes. So what is what is the secret sauce? What has uh, Costco figured out that people will still be walking into their stores? And Because foot traffic is up. We're in an age where people can order anything they want to their house from Amazon and pretty much any store, yet Costco continues to get more people in the door every single day. So what what is that secret sauce? Right. So Costco has realized that they can extend their advantage uh, and the reputation they have with members to e-commerce as well. Mm-hmm. Unlike, unlike basically every other e-commerce website like, uh, like Amazon or Wayfair or anywhere else that you can buy things on, mm-hmm. Costco doesn't have to spend uh, money on marketing. Yes. You'll just go to Costco uh, online because it's Costco, because you trust that they have good merchandise available at a low price. And... Costco has designed its e-commerce strategy in a way that ensures that you'll keep going to the stores. Um, there are certain products that you're, you're just less likely to buy when you're going to Costco to buy milk. Okay. Uh, things like patio furniture and things like TVs. Like you're just you're not going to just buy a sofa when you're going to Costco to buy milk. Okay. And what Costco has realized is that if they can shift sales of these items to their e-commerce site. It will, number one, um, if you're shopping for a sofa, then you can still buy it on, you, you would still be shopping at Costco. 
And, and more importantly, is that it frees up space in their warehouse for things that you are more likely to buy. Mm-hmm. The, the more perishable goods instead of wasting space on large bulky items. Exactly. And so Costco today has a large e-commerce business that focuses on selling appliances, patio furniture, uh, and all these kind of bulky items that are, 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 are difficult for you to take home by yourself. A hundred percent. I don't see very many people putting dishwashers in their uh, SUVs. And they've made investments in into their capabilities. They bought uh, Sears Fulfillment Network mm-hmm. to help them deliver these things. And they've, they've been very successful. Don't so they only a, a, like kind of like a white glove installation company as well, helping you... Uh, Exactly. Yeah. Install your dishwasher or your TV or the, these items that, you know, the normal person can't. Uh, exactly. Do exactly. And so their e-commerce business has been growing pretty spectacularly. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously slipped a little bit uh, again due to the weakness in, in demand for discretionary bulky items. hundred percent. I mean, but these things are cyclical. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but what we think It'll be really successful going forward. All right. So let's talk about the Costco opportunity. 68 million members. I think it has 850 stores around the world. Um, most of them, obviously, in, in the U.S., 100 in Canada, 650 in the U.S. So very few stores outside North America. Uh, first of all, Ernest, talk about the opportunity. So you talked about the opportunity to sell more services, but let's talk about how many more stores can Costco add in North America and what's the opportunity outside North America? Well, I think there's a tremendous opportunity both in North America and in international markets. So in in the US today, Costco retail sales are about 227 billion. Mm-hmm. So sorry, 165 billion is in the US. Okay. Uh, 227 billion is worldwide. Is worldwide. Okay. For some perspective, Walmart US is 393 billion mm-hmm. and Amazon US is 316 billion. But people spend more money at Costco per shop than they do at Walmart, right? Walmart yes. you're running and I don't know, maybe you'll buy a grocery, maybe you'll buy a, a diapers and you spend 35 bucks. At Costco no one's going to Costco just to spend $35 on uh, two right. things. So but, but I think the point is that they still have a large uh, opportunity to gain retail sales mm-hmm. in even in the U.S. Even in the U.S. and which is their most penetrated market. So how are they going to do that? Are they going to continue to open stores in in North America? That's right. They've they they've continued to open stores, and historically, I think a lot of analysts have wondered when they would hit the peak. Mm-hmm. And I think even the management itself has been has been pretty surprised at at, at how many stores they can keep opening. Yeah. Uh, even even today, uh, still over half of their store openings are in the U.S. Well, let's look at China, for example. How many people are in China? A billion and a half people in China. I think they have, what, they have three stores, just opened the fourth store. Um, why can't they have hundreds of stores in China? Why can't they eventually have stores in India? Why why wouldn't this warehouse concept of, of really you know great prices, a great shopping experience, why wouldn't that translate into decades of store openings around the globe? I think it really will, because if there's something that anybody values, uh, whether you're in Canada or in China or in India or in Africa, is that you still want good quality merchandise at a, at a low price. And, and, and these are curated, uh, well-selected merchandise. This is not, as you said, 8,000 bottles of different ketchup and 12,000 different uh, chips. Uh, you know, These are three or four well-tested brands that seem to do really well, of course, just because your ketchup brand does well in North America, it may not translate to a taste in another country. And they've really customized the the product selection in every country to ensure that they are are, are, are catering to the local taste of mm-hmm. the market. So in 
in Japan, for example, like they sell sushi. Yeah, uh, they sell sushi in Canada too, but not very. Yeah, good Yeah, my sushi. parents love the sushi at Costco. By the way, my my parents have become addicted to Costco sushi. They also love the wraps. Uh, someone told me about the smoked meat pizza at Costco. That seems to be a huge hit. Um, uh, you know, they also are able to curate food, right? So a lot of uh, a lot of people that I know go to Costco and buy kosher meat at Costco. They, they the prices are better, the quality is better than some of the local stores. So they're able to do those kind of things, and and people rave about the the products that they have, the food, and of course those uh, buck fifty hot dogs and uh, rotisserie chicken. Right. So even in, in many places in Europe, uh, they're very underpenetrated relative to what they are in, in North America. So I think they're going to continue to open stores for a very long time. And, very long time. And if you look at places like China, where um, just, just do a, you could do a quick Google search of the, the craziness and of the lineups of, of people rushing to get into Costco when it first opened, right? Mm-hmm. which tells you the strong brand name that they have in places where there are no Costco's. Yeah. So 850 stores today, only 68 million members. There's a lot of people on this planet. There's a lot of opportunity for Costco and uh, as well as opportunities to convert members to executive members um, as well as um, more services. But everybody says, they look at Costco, they look at the stock and they say, holy smokes, stock is done incredible and the valuation is expensive. Um, I can buy other stocks that are trading at half the valuation that may even have the same type of growth as Costco. And of course, clients of Baskin Wealth Management own Costco. I own Costco. Why should people continue to pay up for Costco? Why is does it deserve to trade at a higher valuation? Well, I think I think it's generally a mistake to to overly focus on on the reported PE ratio and comparing a bunk between two companies without really considering the differences between the names. That's right. You look at what's Walmart's probably trading at, I don't know, 15 or 18 times earnings and Costco's trading at 30 to 35 times earnings. One would conclude that, why why should I pay the double the price for Costco? They sell the same stuff as Walmart. That would be a superficial kind of argument. I think you really have to dig into the differences between the businesses. Um, Walmart is a a very well-run company as well. No question. But... Costco is they they own most of their stores, so they don't they they're saving on the rent. Isn't Costco the second largest? Uh, uh, oh, Walmart also owns those stores, but I read that behind Amazon, Costco owns. I mean, one of the largest amounts of retail uh, in the United States. Right, that, that's got to be worth a lot of money. Yep, Costco Costco owns all their stores. They don't have any debt, so they they you can argue that they have a a underlevered capital structure. Totally. They but but I think most importantly is that they accept lower margins today to ensure that their moat uh, and their competitive advantage is growing. They have lower margins on on their products than everyone else. They pay So they their could empl- be charging more is what you're saying, but they've decided not to to continue to get membership and grow their services in their store base. Right. As as a hypothetical, mm-hmm. suppose they raise prices by 10% and they cut their employees' wages to minimum wage. Costco could be trading at 15 times earnings. Yes. But for a significantly less durable business for the future. Probably, you're right. But that is exactly what you're comparing Costco to other retailers. Um, as a result, Costco is is growing much faster than, than most other retailers that 
certainly like Walmart and Kroger and all these other supermarkets. Mm-hmm. They have a much longer runway of growth in international markets. Yeah. And they have, in, in our opinion, like a much better uh, ability to grow sales through their existing members. Yeah. So this is Costco is not a high growth name, but the way we think about it is it's, it's to us, it's an annuity uh, for many, many years. Um, we could also then talk about the fact that they are very notoriously uh, pay special dividends as well. Um, as they accumulate more cash on the balance sheet, they don't need it. If they're only opening 25 to 30 stores a year, they're not buying back stock, really. Uh, then that money just sits there on the balance sheet and they pay out to shareholders. Uh, I think uh, a few years ago, they paid out a $10 a share dividend. And m- many look at the balance sheet today and say, well, holy smokes, they've got way too much cash again. So a special dividend is coming. And most analysts are expecting that they're probably going to hike the membership fee in the near term. When was the last time they raised their membership fee? They usually raise it about every four years or so. Mm-hmm. They're, they are long past due. But I think they've recognized that the economy's a little bit weak at the moment. No question. And, and that... They, they, they just want to be patient about it. I think I think that's probably the right move. Um, delay some gratification for shareholders. But uh, over the long term, I think it's going to work out very well. So we're shareholders of Costco, and we're not going to let um, a year where maybe bulky items uh, sales slow down a little bit. That's short-term view. We're, this is the long-term investing podcast. We're thinking long-term. What we think and what we see long-term, Ernest, is many more stores, many more services, slowly uh, raising those membership fees, paying out special dividends. The Costco, we think the Costco story is I, yeah, you you would have been smart to bought Costco many years ago, but we still think uh, you're going to be well rewarded owning it over the long term. Um, before we finish off, let's talk about uh, anything you've been reading or watching lately. So I have been reading Trillion Dollar Triage. You're not finished it yet? No, not yet. I think the key takeaway from that book is that there there really is nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Presidents forever have been criticizing the Fed and trying to get the Fed to lower interest rates and do their bidding. Yeah. It's a it's a non-recurring theme that that it's not it's not a Trump exclusive thing. Correct. And it will continue in the future. Yeah, no I mean no president likes to uh have the economy uh <laughs> uh face inflation and and high interest rates and potential recession, but the Fed has to do what it thinks it's right for the long term. I I I honestly hope we never see zero interest rates again because it does lead to the bubbles that we just had, and then we have to pay the price for it later. Uh, I don't know what how high interest rates need to be, but I've seen that obviously interest rates have started to come down. I'm reading a book called Panic of 1907. If you say nothing news under the sun, you have to read that one. And uh, if you like uh, history and J.P. Morgan is a central figure in that, the earthquake in San Francisco led to a huge d- amount of destruction of capital that uh, money had to be funneled into San Francisco to save the economy. And then that led to a bank panic. Hello, aren't we having, didn't we have a bank panic a few weeks ago? So nothing new under the sun. Um, As for what I'm watching, uh, Succession just started up. Same old silliness on that show, but lots of fun to watch. Uh, We started subscribing to Paramount to watch Yellowstone. I'm a big fan of that one. And watching this new show with Kiefer Sutherland called uh, Rabbit Hole, it's pretty cool. He plays another version of Jack Bauer from 24, but I like the guy. Anything you're watching? 
I thought the Raptors' loss last night was unacceptable. Um, <laughs> but they've made the play-in. There's, there, so they got a chance. Not really. They have no chance. Key must-win game for for seeding. They lose to the Celtics without Tatum. Not acceptable. No, but uh, I think that team, uh, everybody sees writing on the wall, and uh, the coach, Nick Nurse, has uh, probably got a nice fat offer somewhere else. So we'll see what happens with the Raptors going forward. At least we got a, a win. We got the championship, and uh, that's huge and great for Toronto fans. So thank you all for joining us. Um, I'll be uh, doing a podcast uh, hopefully soon with David Baskin. So we'll be kicking Ernest out of the, the seat for uh, a week or so. So David uh, and I will be doing a chat. We'll talk about the Canadian banks and our thoughts on uh, Gluskin Chef, um, a, a competitor of ours, a company that we truly admired and uh, thoughts about what went on there and uh, lessons we can learn from that. So hope to see you back soon. Have a great weekend and uh, all the best. Thank you so much. <laughs>